you are listening to By the Book. Because if you don't look at the world through the Bible, you will never see it right. Welcome to By the Book. This is Alan Griffith, your host for episode 26. We're in a series that is about the rapture. And if you've been uh, listening to our last session, and as you go along listening to more, I hope, uh, you'll begin to wonder, well, where where's the rapture? Why are we talking about the things that we're talking about? And I think of the times that my wife and I were in Israel. We've had the privilege of going uh, 10 different times. We love it. We want to go back. We, we had hoped to go back this year, but with COVID and such, we have not been able to do that. But nine of the 10 times we were there, we had the same guide. We came to love her. Her name was Susan Marcus. And Susan used to say this to our groups. She would say, you cannot understand the history unless you understand the geography. And that message was very significant because when you were there and you think about the history and the message of what went on in Israel, and then you see the geography of the of the mountains and, and the rivers and the Dead Sea and the Mediterranean and and all that goes with that, when you see the geography, the, the history becomes much more meaningful. Well, I like to think of it this way in what we're talking about. You cannot understand the prophecy unless you understand the history. And so I hope you'll stay with us as we are talking about a lot of history and prophecy that comes out of that that will lead us to a proper understanding of the rapture, when it takes place, why it even is going to happen. And what is the rapture? Praise the Lord, Jesus Christ is coming again. The Lord Jesus Christ is coming back. That term rapture means to be caught up. When he comes back, he will catch up. He will take up the dead in Christ and we who are alive and remain, and he'll take us right off the face of the earth back to heaven. And then he will carry out his continuing plan for the nation of Israel and for the world. So we are now discussing this, uh, this history and prophecy that is going to lead us to a better understanding of the rapture. So I hope you'll stay with us. Now, in our last episode, as we were dealing with the 490-year prophecy given by Gabriel to Daniel in Daniel chapter 9, we concluded with pointing out that after 483 of the 490 years were finished, God said two other events would occur before the last seven years of the prophecy would be fulfilled. Now, those two events were, first of all, the death of Christ, and then secondly, the destruction of the city of Jerusalem and the temple. The destruction of Jerusalem and the temple occurred in 70 AD. Now, take note of this. That was about 38 years after the end of the 483 years already 
describe. There was a gap built into the 490-year prophecy. So have I confused you enough? Well, we pointed out, just to rehearse it a little bit, that Gabriel gave to Daniel this 490-year prophecy. And to, to cut it short, we'll simply say this, 483 of the 490 years are complete. There's only seven more years to go. So we ask, what happened to that last week of years? What happened to the last seven years of Gabriel's prophecy? When's that going to take place? Why hasn't it taken place? Why is this gap so long between the end of the 483 and then the completion of the prophecy? Well, we get some unusual help from verse 26 of Daniel 9. And if you have your Bible and you can get it open, I I wish you would do that and follow along. I realize sometimes people are driving in a car when they're listening to the podcast and such. So if you can't have your Bible open now, I hope you'll get back to it when you have some time. But we get some unusual help from verse 26 of Daniel 9. When Gabriel told Daniel that the city and the temple would be destroyed, he identified the people who would destroy it in a very interesting way. He said the people who would destroy the city and the temple in what turned out to be 70 AD were the people of the prince that shall come. A prince was going to be coming, hadn't arrived yet. But interestingly, the way Gabriel puts it, he says to Daniel, the city and the sanctuary of Jerusalem are going to be destroyed. And the people who are going to destroy it in what turned out to be 70 AD are the people of a yet future prince who is going to come. Now, he said this in verse 27. This prince who will come will establish a covenant with the people of Israel for one week of years, or for that last seven years of the prophecy. Now. We have the advantage of being able to look back and see what happened in history. So being able to look back on what happened in 70 AD, everyone knows that the people who destroyed Jerusalem and the temple were the Romans. So Gabriel's message was that when 483 years of the 490-year prophecy of God concerning Israel the city of Jerusalem, and the temple, when that was complete, really three things were going to happen. Number one, Christ would be crucified. He was. Number two, the city and the sanctuary, the temple, would be destroyed. They were. Number three, a future Roman 
prince will make a covenant with the people of Israel for the last seven years of the 490-year prophecy. That has not happened. And it could not have happened yet. Why? Well, number one, when Rome, the Romans, destroyed the city and the temple in 70 AD, hundreds of thousands of Jews were killed. Multitudes were sold into slavery, and many more were scattered throughout the Roman Empire. The people of Israel, think about this, the people of Israel never occupied and controlled that land again, that promised land, until 1948. All those years, almost 2,000 years, the people of Israel, the Jewish people, were scattered all over the world. They did not have control of the very land that God had promised them, and therefore there could not be a covenant made with them in the land by some Roman prince. The covenant could not be made because the land of Israel wasn't controlled by the Israelites. And also, there has been no Roman prince to do it. Now, I'm, I'm rehashing a little bit, but I want you to get this in your mind. This is incredible. There's still seven years of prophecy to be fulfilled for the people of Israel and the city of Jerusalem. And never lose sight as we continue to talk about this, that this future seven years is specifically given for Israel, Jerusalem, and the temple. Let's consider a couple of other things. First, remember that among other accomplishments, and we pointed this out from verse 24, you might want to go back and read it, and there's other things that are given in verse 24, but I want to just focus on on one of them. Gabriel said that when the 490-year prophecy was completed, God would bring in everlasting righteousness. Now, that may extend to the whole world to some degree, but as I just said, it was specifically spoken concerning the people of Israel and the city of Jerusalem. In reality, that was the promise of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. So when the 490-year prophecy is completed, and again, there's only seven years left of that, Jesus Christ will establish his kingdom on earth. Now, we're talking about the rapture, Christ coming for the church and taking us out. Then this seven years will take place. We'll talk more about it. And at the end of that seven years, Jesus Christ is going to come back, not into the air as at the rapture, but he's going to come to the earth, and he is going to set up his earthly kingdom, and he will bring in for Israel everlasting 
righteousness. Well, I hate to do this to you, but with that in mind, I want to move us to another prophecy in Scripture given by Jeremiah. Remember, Jeremiah is the prophet who said in chapter 25 of his book that the Babylonian captivity of Israel would only last 70 years. Just a few chapters later, we're over now to chapter 31, he gives another incredible prophecy, listen, about Israel. It is found specifically in Jeremiah 31, verses 31 to 34. I want to read it to you. Follow along as I read. If you have your Bible, you can open up and follow along. Here's what Jeremiah said. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was an husband unto them, saith the Lord, but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people and they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, saith the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Consider what this prophecy says. First, God said he's going to make a new covenant with Israel. Now, by the time Jeremiah wrote that, the northern kingdom, we've talked about that, the northern kingdom called Israel had been conquered by Assyria, but those tribes and the southern kingdom of Judah are both included in the new covenant. So, as we said earlier, the ten northern tribes of Israel are not lost. Then the Lord said, the new covenant would not be like the Mosaic covenant made with Israel on Mount Sinai. That covenant was the Mosaic law. That's the covenant Israel broke, and they sinned to break their commitments. But look what God said. He said, this new covenant will not be a written law. He said, quote, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts. He said the challenge to come to know the Lord will be unnecessary because everyone will know the Lord. Everybody will know the Lord. And he said he would forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. Listen, this covenant is the promise of salvation for the whole nation of Israel. This is the promise of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And again, it is a promise 
for Israel. This will be when the everlasting righteousness for Israel will be established, along with the other things that are mentioned in verse 24. Now, listen to what the Apostle Paul said in the New Testament in Romans 11, verses 26 and 27. Listen to this. Paul says, And so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. Now listen, for this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. The new covenant. So, let's put some pieces together. Daniel gave a prophecy concerning Israel that covered 490 years. Along with other promises, Daniel said everlasting righteousness would be established at the end of those 490 years. 483 of those years were completed on the day the Lord Jesus Christ rode into Jerusalem to publicly offer himself as Israel's Messiah Prince. After that day, Daniel said Messiah would be cut off. He was. Christ was crucified just a few days later. Daniel said the city of Jerusalem and the temple would be destroyed. They were in 70 AD. Daniel said a coming Roman prince would eventually make a seven-year covenant of peace with Israel. That would be the final seven years of Daniel's 490-year prophecy. But that has not yet happened. When it does happen and is complete, the Lord Jesus will establish his kingdom on earth. Let me insert at this point Matthew 26, 28, and 29. I don't want to lose you. Stay with me. As you probably know, the Lord Jesus met with his disciples the night before he was crucified. He taught them many things. He also instituted what we commonly call the Lord's Supper. Listen to what he said when he gave them the grape juice. I'm going to read it to you. He said, for this is my blood of the New Testament. Stop. The term testament in our King James Version is the Greek term diatheke, which means covenant. So the Lord said to his disciples, this is my covenant Excuse me, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Now, the shed blood of Jesus Christ is the payment for all sin, of all people, of all time but it is uniquely the blood of the new covenant prophesied by Jeremiah. Why is this important to recognize? Here's why. The blood of Calvary paid for all sin. Because of that blood, anybody can be saved. But being the blood of the new covenant God made with Israel means Israel will be saved. On the day our Lord presented himself as Messiah the Prince, the crowds professed to welcome him. Remember that? 
but he knew it was all on the surface and his death was coming. Just a few days before his crucifixion, he said this in Matthew 23, 37 to 39. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent to thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. But your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, ye shall not see me henceforth, till ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have to stop. I'm anxious for our next episode. I hope you'll join us as we pursue this study. Because again, ultimately, I want you to understand the timing of the rapture and what it's all about. Lord bless you. Till next time.